turn to John chapter 20. We're going to talk about Mary Magdalene. If you'd like to stand while we read the word, and read the word with me if you would. Nothing better than a congregation reading the word. If you read it from your Bible or if you read it, you're okay, you're good. Many different translations. I love to hear the rustling of the Bible. I love, we, we have our cell phones, and I use that too, but I love the old-timey way of opening the Word of God. So if you read it with me, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there. And as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head, the cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside, and he saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciple went back to their home, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father, and your Father to my God, and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Thank you, Lord. May God add blessings to the reading of his word. Amen. You know, on June the 6th, 1944, the Allied forces were under the command of Dwight D. Eisenhower, and they invaded Normandy. The weather was good, and the invasion was a success. And that success on D-Day led to the ultimate defeat of Hitler. On August the 6th, 1945, the atomic bomb was dropped on Japan shortly after they had surrendered. They, shortly after that, they surrendered to the Allied forces. I believe that you may, many of you may know that also Japan was working on an atomic bomb by this, this particular time. So what would have happened if they had developed it first? How would history sort of come... Uh, turn out if we had not won World War II and we had been under the reign of Germany. All these things were predicated many times on just one event, one weather condition. 
one situation, one little circumstance, and so forth. Well, I'm here to proclaim today that the greatest event that has ever happened in human history is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if Jesus had not been resurrected, then our faith would be in vain. Our preaching would be in vain. We would still be in our sins. The resurrection had to take place exactly the way God intended and what God foreknew. And we've been talking about in eternity past and before the foundations of the world that the Lamb of God was slain, that God had a plan. It's just, it just, over, just blows me away to fully try to wrap my mind around it, to know that God in eternity past, before anything was even here or thought about, God was, you were already, and I, were all, I was already on the mind of God Almighty, that he had a plan to sin. He knew that man would fall knew there had to be that perfect righteousness that we and ourselves cannot obtain. But only through the righteousness of Jesus being imputed to our lives, standing in the gap for us, stay, taking our place on Calvary, could this be obtained. And God knew that. And yet, in spite of all of that, and in spite of who we are, in spite of how sinful we have, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the old rugged cross, on that tree, to hang there, knowing he would be buried and that he would be resurrected from the dead. You know, most of our preaching is about the forgiveness of our sins. And that's so important, so important. Because again, if we're not forgiven of our sins, then we obviously will not go to heaven. But there's something beyond that when you talk about our relationship that God came through Jesus and restored is something far greater than that, and that is that relationship, that depth of intimacy and fellowship and communion that he desires to have with all of his children. Isn't that great? And I use the word adoption. You know, the word adoption is used in Romans chapter 8, and it's a very intimate thing. We have been, if you're saved here today, that you have been adopted into the family of God. We have been adopted so there's so much more that God wants to reveal to us and show us by our experience with him and through the word of God. God wants to do that. And we want to look at something today I think it's so important because we're not talking about Caiaphas. We're not talking about Pontius Pilate. We're not talking about the Apostle Peter or Mary, the mother of Jesus today. We're actually talking about Mary Magdalene. And I want to show you some things about her life because not much is known about Mary Magdalene. We know that Mary was there at the cross when Jesus was crucified. And we know there she was a follower of Jesus Christ. We also know that she had seven demons cast out of her by Jesus Christ. And so she was demonically possessed and God delivered her, you know. And you know, the Bible talks about that he who is forgiven much loves much. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been forgiven a whole lot. I've been forgiven much, and I should love the Lord Jesus and others the way he loves us and the way, I, obviously, God desires for us to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so Mary Magdalene loved Jesus. And so we see the story here because when you think about it, it was still dark there on Sunday morning. When Mary headed for the tomb of Jesus, she had other women with her, but she was steadfast going to the tomb to discover what had gone on. 
She had just seen, obviously, her Savior hanging on a cross, enduring the torture of those spikes going through his hands and arms and through his feet. She had seen all of this. He has, she had seen Jesus die this horrendous, horrendous death. And in spite of that, she had planned on with the other women to go and anoint the body with the spices. And so she hid it towards the, the tomb there. And she had seen all these things happening that I'm sure made such a tremendous impact upon her life. And obviously, uh, when she walked in, she saw that she could not find the body. And, and without even looking into the tomb, I believe she concluded that Jesus' body had been stolen. And she reacted immediately. They've taken my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. I mean, you're talking about a lady, I believe, passionately in love with Jesus Christ there because of what Christ has done and what she saw. And maybe, obviously, in the fullness of this, it came at Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out. Then the, our eyes were opened. And, and you know, the, on the road to Emmaus, the two men were walking along with Jesus, and, and they uh, talked with Jesus and didn't recognize him, and then they... They asked him in to have supper with him and so forth. And then he went in and they said when he broke the bread, that the eyes of their hearts, they realized this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Their hearts were, I'm sure, warmed by his presence. Mary Magdalene was a lady, I believe, and when you look at this story and how God puts it together, he takes ordinary people like Mary Magdalene, those just sinners. He takes ordinary people like you and me and he does something so awesome in our lives that I believe it will be somehow recorded in the, the books of history there. And we looked as far as in heaven is concerned, maybe not on earth, but in one way or another. The Bible says we are trophies of his grace. The only thing I understand a trophy to be is obviously trophies when you win something, when you do that. We're trophies of his grace. God says he obviously shows us to all the principalities and all the powers throughout the world. He said, look what I've done in my child, Jim. Look what I've done in my child. You insert your name there. And so when we look at Mary Magdalene, we see somebody, just ordinary lady there. And so Mary, she went back to John's house and was, she was probably out of breath and so forth. And she began telling them exactly what she said. They've taken the Lord and I don't know where that they have put, have placed him, immediately is they realize they had made assumptions about what had happened with Jesus. They hadn't really heard. Jesus said he had to die and he had to rise, to rise on the third day. They maybe didn't hear it, or maybe it was over their head, or maybe they just sort of had some preconceived ideas about this whole thing working out, and they didn't obviously follow in on that. They just felt like somebody had stolen his body. And they took both, they took, remember John there and Peter, they both took Mary's report at face value. And, and she had assumed that the body of Jesus had been stolen there. And, and John and Peter got to the tomb. And what happened? They saw the linens laying there. And, it, and some theologians will say it was like the body had just sort of went through those linens and the, the linens had, had come down and fallen down in their place. And then the head wrap was, was nicely placed there. And so they knew immediately that the body had not been stolen. Mary Magdalene thought it was. But they realized that someone who would steal a body would not place and leave the linens there like that. 
And the Bible says that when John saw this, he believed. He believed. Isn't that great? John, the one that Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, we talked about. And I, I made a suggestion because I don't know fully. But I made the suggestion that maybe it was because John was selected to take care of Jesus' mother because John had faith. I don't know that, but maybe it was. It looked that way anyway. Or he was a devoted disciple. There were devoted people that God used at this time to be able to proclaim the good news, including Mary Magdalene. Now, to have seven demons, she must have been obviously into a lot of bad stuff, right? She was in a lot of bad stuff, and Jesus delivered her. People who get free, and I've worked in deliverance, people who get free, let me tell you, they are forever grateful. But the reality is, even though we may not have necessarily been, quote, demon-possessed in that, we obviously were an enemy of God before we came to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that. We were at enmity with him. We were an enemy of God before we came to Jesus. And yet, somehow, something happened in our heart, and we received Jesus in our lives. Mary Magdalene had a gratefulness there, and she had a perseverance. She had, obviously, a determination and a devotion towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, I'm saying, Lord, we need that today, don't we? She went in and said that. And so, obviously, in verse 8, it said that when she saw this, he believed, John. And this, I believe sometimes the beginning point of faith is not always the Bible. Now, the Bible can bring you, because hearing comes, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But sometimes we just come to the, to the Lord in different ways. God just, in that mystery of salvation. I know when I was a, little, a young boy, and uh, the preacher, the Baptist preacher was preaching about Jesus and all, and I felt convicted and that I was a sinner. I was young. And I res, I, he said, if any, we want to, anybody wants to be baptized, then you can come and we'll baptize you. And I received the Lord and accepted the Lord. I believe I had a salvation experience. I did not walk with the Lord. I strayed away. I wasn't discipled at that time and follow-up and so forth. But I believe I made a confession of faith at that particular time. To be honest with you, I didn't have a real good theology at that time. You know, maybe you didn't either. I didn't have all my theology in the right place. All I knew was is that some, someone, the Holy Spirit of God, had touched my heart, and I con was convicted of my sins, and I bowed my heart, and I received Jesus in my life. And so we see here the importance of being open to God moving in your life. Sometimes I don't understand what God is doing. He'll never do anything to contradict his word, but I don't always understand it, but we need to be open and, and certainly to understand because it may be that God is trying to show you something very special in your life right now. And so are you open to him bringing you beyond your current level of understanding? Sometimes I believe that many Christians stop learning and stop growing because somehow they conclude that they already have it all. They're not receptive to the fresh experiences that God has for them. They have all the knowledge of God solidified in a creed, and they're just hoping others can come up to their level of understanding. And this kind of thinking leads to certainly complacency and lethargy. 
It, it, we've got to be open to the Spirit of God. Bob, the Bible says, and I believe it's Isaiah 43, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing it. See, watch it happen. When God works in your life, it may not be. He will follow it up, I believe, on every occasion with the Word of God. But sometimes He does things because He's God. And He just does those. And He does it because He loves us. The whole thing, when He responds to us, no matter what we're going through in life, no matter what hardship, no matter what illness, no matter what challenge, it's because He loves you and me. Mary Magdalene, she didn't have a real good theology, I'm sure. She messed it all up. But look at how Jesus treated her. Jesus treated her and honored her, her drive, her perseverance, her desire to press in to what God was having. She was going to find out what happens to her Lord. And nothing was going to detour her. They've taken my Lord, and I don't know where they've taken him to here. But I believe God has more for you and for me, much, much more here. In fact, I believe that we'll be discovering the everlasting, infinite God throughout eternity. I don't believe it stops at the end of this life. I believe we'll be discovering how great our God is, even when we cross over to be on the other side and be with Him. We'll continue to grow. So here, when we look at the assumptions, some of you, when you go through hard times and it seems like, Everything you touch, I mean, it turns out bad. It seems like, oh, there is nothing is working here. Nothing is going right here. And so we make the assumption that nothing good is going to happen. And this is what was happening with Mary. Mary was saying, oh, my goodness, this has happened. They've stolen the, the, the Lord. I don't know where he is and all of this, and she began to make some assumptions about this, and, and it seems like in our lives, too, the only thing we can think about, there must be more bad news on the way, because for Mary, nothing had been going right there, certainly. You know, she had just watched the Lord there hanging on the cross and so forth, and so we he are here. We've got to see from Mary's experience. Our assumptions may be logical, and we need to obviously keep that in mind, but somehow we need to also think like the Word of God and to think like God thinks. In Proverbs 3, five, verses five, 5 and 6, is trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. I have things going on I need to trust the Lord for. I have things going on because no matter what's going on in your life, a lot of times it's our human nature to assume the worst, to assume it's going to get worse, and there's nothing good going to come out of this. And that's the assumption that Mary was having. She had that assumption there. Let me read this story to you. It's about a young man from a wealthy family. He was about to graduate from high school. It was the custom in that affluent neighborhood for the parents to give the graduate an automobile. Bill was his name. And his father had spent months looking at cars, and the week before graduation, they found the perfect car. And on the eve of his graduation, his father handed him a gift-wrapped Bible. And Bill got so angry that he threw the Bible down and stormed out of the house. He and his father never saw each other again. It was the news of his father's death that brought Bill home again. And as he sat one night going through his father's possessions that he was to inherit, he came across the Bible his father had given him. 
He brushed away the dust and opened it to find a cashier's check dated the day of his graduation and the exact amount of the car that they had chosen together. He threw it out. We a lot of times throw things out in life, don't we? Because things obviously can get tough. They can get worse. And we don't look for the good that could turn it around. You don't look for the breakthrough that could take place that's right around the corner. You stop praying just short of something happening. You stop trusting and maybe you become apathetic and you become lethargic in your prayer life or you become just sort of just laid back and not pressing into God like what God has called us to do. And then we miss out on that breakthrough that God wants. And, and Mary had a lot of bad assumptions here, but she was devoted to the Lord. And Mary was thinking the worst, assuming the worst plans that God would have for her. But let me tell you today, I believe the Word of God. And I don't care what happens in my life, and I don't care what I see. Jeremiah 29, 11, I cling to the Bible says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to, not to destroy you or, or to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, that's God's word to me, and I know it's God's word to you. Believe it. Trust it, because things can get worse. The second thing is, is we see her devotion to the crucified Christ is about to pay off. Peter and John... They saw that Jesus' body had not been stolen there. They realized something awesome had taken place, that he had risen from the grave. They didn't fully understand it. My goodness, we, again, we still celebrate it every day. But at the same time, we don't understand all these things. But let me tell you, I know Jesus has risen, and he lives forevermore. And he sits at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for you and me. But Mary, obviously, was standing there, and she desired the presence of the Lord more than anything in her life. She had been in the presence of God Almighty. Hallelujah. And she wanted that presence in her life. And she stood there, and she wept, I'm sure, and she contemplated this because she longed to be in the presence of her Lord and Savior. She'd been touched by His power. She'd seen Him operating and walking and touching people and healing people and delivering people and people getting saved. And she wanted to be in the presence of the Lord. Do we want to be in the presence of the Lord? Do we value his presence? He's here right now. One of the things we've been talking about and I'll continue to talk about is being aware of his presence because he's with you and me every day. Stop every now and then whenever you feel like that you, the Lord is leading you. Stop and talk to him and pray to him and tell him how much you love him, how much you want to be directed by his, by his, his uh, divine wisdom and his direction. Talk to him. Stop and reflect upon that. And watch that growing awareness of the presence of God develop and begin to be cultivated in my life and in your life. She wanted to be in the presence of the Lord. She'd been there. So she missed his presence here. And she's saying, I will not be satisfied without him. And our hearts, when we're hungry and thir hungering and thirsting for righteousness, we're hungry and thirsting for his presence. Let me tell you. There's nothing better than being in the presence of the Lord. Don't you know when we get to heaven, we'll be in his presence then. We will be here. He's here right now. He is in our midst, and we praise him. And sometimes you can feel his presence. Sometimes when you get quiet and just reflect upon him, you can feel his presence. At various times, he sort of shows himself that he is with you. Isn't that great? You know, let me tell you, I was talking to Jim Nelson last week about this, and I'm talking to, to Connie 
uh, yesterday about this, is when, when you go through tough times and you're getting ready maybe to go through surgery or maybe you're going through some real health challenges. And I've asked people before, I said, can you really sense the presence of the Lord with you right now? And inevitably people will say yes. When I came out of my surgery, going into my surgery, I could sense the presence of the Lord with me at that point. I was not afraid. I was at total peace. The presence. Mary wanted the presence of the Lord. She's saying, you know, I want to be in his presence again. I hunger and thirst for his presence in my life. I hunger and thirst for his presence, his manifest presence, tangible presence in this church today. Moses obviously had been on the mountaintop and seen the glory of God, and yet he hungered for more. He said, show me your glory. And you remember, God honored his request. That's my request too, Lord. I want to be in your presence. I want to know you intimately. I want to know you, obviously, and I want to know, obviously, you more than anything else in this world. God's saying he wants to do that, hunger and thirst. But obviously, we see here Mary Magdalene, she was filled with grief. Now, one thing about Mary, if you look at it, and you look further on down through the scripture, there were those angels that were sitting there, two angels, one at the head and the other there where his feet had been. Why had not Peter, when you think about it, as you look at the scripture, Peter and John seen the angels? Mary Magdalene talked to them. I believe it was because of her devotion. She was devoted to the Lord. Now, God is sovereign, and he can reveal himself in any way he wants. But I believe in that she was devoted. She had a heart that was pliable, that was, would just, could be like the, the potter and the clay. And the potter is God, and we're the clay, and he molds us. And so Mary was persistent in her search for Jesus there. And when she finally saw him, she said, my Lord there. Something absolutely mar marvelous, because her commitment is unfailing. You know, when you stumble and fall, get back up again and seek the Lord. When you mess up and you make mistakes, or maybe you become cold spiritually, is run to Jesus. Keep coming back to him. Let your commitment be unfailing, just like Mary Magdalene. She was committed. Her theology, she hadn't heard what Jesus had said, and yet she was devoted to Jesus. Isn't that great? You know, when I get to heaven, I've always said this before also, that God will, may look at me and say, Jim, you know, you got all this over here wrong, and maybe I got a little bit over here right, or maybe I got a lot of this wrong over here, a little bit right, you know, but I'll go, thank God for Jesus, hallelujah, right? Amen? I was thinking about you guys testifying today, and this has been on my mind. And salvation, and I believe if you're a Christian in here today, and how God touched your life in, in a personal way, and you're walking with God. You know, your walk may not be exactly like my walk. The what you speak may not be exactly the way I speak. You may not act like me exactly and so forth. And I may not act like you. Because individually and personally, God Almighty works that salvation in our lives. And it's about Jesus, not about what this and that and all these types of things. It's all about Jesus and being so in love with him is that nothing else makes any difference. Mary was in love with Jesus. But also we see her delight in the risen Lord. When Jesus used one word, Mary, she knew then it was the Lord. Remember Jesus tells her not to cling to him anymore? 
obviously, because uh, he had to go back to be with the father there and so forth. So Mary's still making assumptions. She's thinking, basically, that Jesus has come to restore and to take care and defeat all their earthly enemies. She made all these assumptions. You and I can make all these assumptions. You and I somehow have preconceived ideas about the way God's going to do something. And I don't know about you, but God will come around and he'll, he'll do it and he'll change it to where it catches my attention every time. Y'all recognize that? He doesn't always do it the way that I think he's going to do it. He kind of doesn't. Isn't that strange the way he does that? He keeps us trusting him because we think we have God in a box. He's got to do it this way. Because I just know he does, and God does it some other way outside of the box. And he's like, I go, wow, this is so much better. Isn't that great? The way God works today, he does that. And uh, we see here that Mary Magdalene, she was determined. She persevered. <laughs> you know, she says, I, and, and then Jesus tells her, go and tell everybody else. I think she was the first evangelist, maybe. Go and tell. She had experienced the Lord. She had seen the Lord. She had encountered the Lord. Just like Isaiah, when he encountered the Lord, and he says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And, and the seraph came and touched the cold to his lips, and he realized then he was forgiven and cleansed. And he said, here am I, send me. When you have an encounter with the Lord, you want to tell somebody about it. He says, go and tell them. I'm here. Jesus said, I'm risen there. And she was the first one to go out like that and to do that. Two thoughts here I want to leave with you. First of all, is that Jesus could turn Mary, if, if Jesus could turn Mary's world around there in just one split second, he can also fix whatever's going on in our life real quick. Don't assume this and that, the bad always know that God Almighty can turn it around in a heartbeat. God can do that. Don't look and assume the worst. The second thought is here, when you experience His grace, it won't just be for you alone. He wants you to tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about it. I was reading a, a little uh, email from our superintendent of MidAmerica here yesterday. I, I forgot to bring my phone in. But basically what it says is, it says this Easter weekend, preach the message of the resurrection without any reservation. Don't try to water it down. Don't try to pad it to try to make it more palatable so the congregation can, can, congregation can hear it. Preach it as if our lives depended upon it. Because you see, our lives do depend upon it. We depend upon the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Don't in any way pull back from giving your testimony and your witness to those in need. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Because God is saying that time could be very near. And Jesus who was resurrected from the grave, gives us that resurrection power to share your testimony. Don't try to figure it out theologically. Mary Magdalene got the theology all wrong. But she encountered the Lord. 
she had an experience of encountering Jesus Christ. And obviously, it's because I believe her devotion and saying, I'm not going to give up. And so when things go bad and things get tough, don't give up. Press in. Believe God because he can turn it around in a very, very short time. I'll say this, and I've said it. You're the only one that can give your worship to the Lord. There's nobody else can give your worship to the Lord. And you're the only one can seek the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all your strength. You're the only one can do that. I can't do that for you. I can't worship for you. I can worship for me. Because it's between me and God. The same is true for you. No one else can give your worship to the Lord. Only you. Remember that this week when we obviously are drawn. Because I believe God's up to great things. I believe that we're seeing some mighty, wonderful works that God is doing. And I'm so glad today that he's, he's risen from the dead. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence. Lord, we want to be devoted. We want to be persistent. We may not have all our theology wrong, right, Lord, but we're we going to work on that. But dear God, we, we just want you. And we want to love you. We want to embrace you, Lord, and praise you. And we want you to come and touch us, dear God. And if you need to take the seraphs and touch the coal to our lips, dear God, that we may know you and be cleansed and, and to be sent forth, just like Isaiah. And here we are. So, Lord, send us. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. And whatever decision is being made right now, just to walk in a deeper walk with Jesus. I, I, I release that in you right now. I release that's the Spirit of the Lord just to touch you and to empower you to share the truth to maybe somebody you've been, been wanting to share it with for some time that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Or maybe they just need hope. A lot of people in this world need hope. A lot of people need to know that he is risen. And he's risen indeed. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.